0: I've been saying to a lot of people, where did 10 years go? It is amazing. Well, We all face challenges in life that will bring us to our knees. Ten years ago, when Diane and I left here to go to Laramie to help a struggling young church get back on its feet, we knew that we had our work cut out for us but we had no idea, really. It, it took longer than we thought, but uh, the last couple of years, we finally saw the church get on its feet, uh, become a, 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 a thriving, growing young church that's uh, full of young professionals and students and older people and a, a just a good, a broad demographic of, of folks. And uh, Jason Ricks, Jason and Heather Ricks, uh, are now leading Emmaus Road Community Church. I've retired from there as of last June. And the church is, is growing. It's, uh, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, they had a baptism with four adults. A couple of those adults, one, one of the gals worked with Diane, and uh, or works with Diane, and uh, she and her husband came to faith last fall and, uh, but there were four adults that followed the Lord in believer's baptism just a couple of weeks ago. And then they also had to go to two services. And so, praise God, it, uh, it was quite a journey, and, uh, and yet God is, is moving, and Emmaus Road has become a sustainable voice for Christ in Laramie. Another uh, a, a, a challenge that... Uh, I, I knew it was going to be a change, but I, I didn't know how much of a challenge it would be was retirement. And I, I think you could say I've embraced retirement rather well. I've caught a lot of fish in the last six or seven months. Um, I got, a, got an elk with my bow, and uh, we've been to Alaska, we've, uh, I, I did a backpacking trip in the winds with some old friends, and, uh, and it's, been, it's been awesome. But probably, probably the best part has, has been just availability to do a variety of ministry. And I, I was telling Robert, I, I've done more evangelism in the past four months than I probably have done in the last four years. It was, it's been, I had to get out of the ministry to get into ministry. It, it's kind of it's strange. But uh, one, of the, one of the jobs that God's given me now is um, I'm a chaplain with the Laramie with the uh, Laramie Police Department and the Albany County Sheriff's Office. And uh, I'm the lead chaplain. There are two other chaplains that I work with. And uh, about a month ago, we started two different Bible studies with the cops. There's, uh, There's a dozen different cops coming to those two studies. And there's seekers, there's believers, there's just a, a variety, and, and God is moving in a, in a big-time way in, in the lives of the, of the uh, officers and deputies in Laramie right now, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what's happening with that ministry. Uh, the book that we're studying is called The Spirit Behind Badge 145, written by a former police officer, Jim McNeef, and uh, he's now retired. But uh, there's, I've, I've learned there's a couple dozen cops reading that book. They're not coming to the group, but they're reading that book. And then in, on September 7th, we're flying in, Jim McNeefe and uh, his wife, and we're going to do a big banquet and an outreach for the law enforcement community all throughout southeast Wyoming, so you'll hear more about that. But just a lot of, a lot of cool things that, uh, that God is doing. I've learned that God regularly brings reality checks into our lives. I mean, it, you know, it may be change, transition. It may be, uh, you know, financial problem, relational struggles. It, you know, it may be health issues. You know, it, it can come in a lot of lot of forms, and they they tend to mold me into godliness. They tend to develop character, and. Uh, I usually don't like these reality checks. I don't know. Do you do you like reality checks when you face them? I I usually don't, but they become important reminders of whatever you do. You have to pray. You have to trust God in life. One of those reality checks came for me early in my Christian life when I started to share my faith started talking with some of my family members, and I remember distinctly my sister-in-law, Barb. On one occasion, she just said, after I shared something with her, well, isn't that a lovely Sunday school lesson? And she walked away from me. Uh, My brother, on another occasion, He's got, a, he's got a, an incredible sense of humor, so you've got to kind of understand where this comment's coming from, but uh, he said, well, I know you pray for me. I'll smoke a joint for you. <laughs> okay, game on. We'll see who wins that one. And so for years, Diane and I have continued to pray for Bruce and Barb, for uh, our family, for friends and loved ones. Remember... Whatever you do, when you face reality checks in your life, pray. There is great power in prayer. So let's turn to the text for the day. Today, in the study on the book of Acts, David asked me to preach on Acts chapter 12. And we're going to look at some of the reality checks that the early church had to deal with in their existence, in their journey with God. And the first reality check that we come to in the first four verses, and you can turn there in your Bibles or follow along on the screen, the first reality check is that following Christ may lead you into dire circumstances. Let's look at what was happening to the fledgling Christian church. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. It's an understatement to say that uh, Peter found himself in dire circumstances. I mean, he was facing probable execution, his good friend, James, the brother of John, is dead, who is probably beheaded by the sword. And King Herod is on a mission to thwart this upstart religion that's creating controversy all over the area. The, the situation is dire. Uh, let's look at the fortress that Peter was most likely held in. It's, it's called the Antonian. And it was right next to the Temple Mount. And uh, if we can uh, get that picture up there. And that's a formidable structure. And, and I, Diana and I saw a, you know, a model of this when we were in Israel a few years ago. And I was like, whoa, I've never seen that in the movies or any any you know depiction of that but uh it was it was a a large form it would it would house the garrison the roman garrison on top of that the guard that that dr luke tells us about in in the book of acts here there were there were four squads of four soldiers each, each. and These Roman centurions were trained to defend a large area single-handedly from multiple attackers. I mean, these were seasoned, professional soldiers who were highly motivated. If they failed in their duty, they would probably be executed, and we later learned they were. I mean, these are tough, tough obstacles to have to deal with. And then you have the disciples, ordinary people. These are not special forces kinds of individuals. They're not well connected. They don't have many, really, any political solutions or influence to be able to try to help Peter. And so what do they do? They pray, they trust God with this dire circumstance. It's easy to think that when you follow Christ, that when you do good, that when you are faithful, that God's gonna return the favor. I mean, A plus B equals C. A plus B, goodness, should equal C, blessings and rewards. I mean, good things should start happening to you, right? That formula doesn't always work. Do good things always happen to good people? No, they don't. And sometimes we're left with deep wondering about what is God up to or why or... I mean, there are are great benefits to following Christ. And to living a good and faithful life. But sometimes following Christ will lead you into dire circumstances. Here's another reality check tough challenges can lead you to desperate prayer, desperate prayer. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in the text here to verses 5 and verse 12. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And then a little later, when this had dawned on him, after Peter gets out that we'll read in a moment, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They were praying earnestly, and the word means fervently, intensely, and it it carries with it the the idea of not relaxing in effort, this this focused, intense kind of, of effort, and employing the right spirit behind whatever you're doing earnestly. So they were praying earnestly. Their leaders were being persecuted. uh, uh, One of the apostles, James, had been executed. And, And naturally, they would expect that Peter was facing the same fate. And so they do whatever they can. They get together and they pray. And they wait on God. Ever find your, yourself in a position for desperate prayer? You discover a lump, and you fear the worst. Or the Dow drops a few hundred points one day, and then a couple days later drops 1,175 points, and then a couple days later drops another 1,000 points, and you start wondering, what's, what's going to happen to my retirement Or the ag markets are as fickle as ever, and you need some big time help from above. Or you hear news of another mass shooting, and you fear for the safety of 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 children. And I mean, on and on. Or, or you, have, you have loved ones who have spurned your attempts to love them and to, to show them Christ. And, and in fact, maybe they even make fun of you or they persecute you or distance themselves or, or, or whatever. But your heart is deeply saddened about their unbelief. Whatever it might be, when life is spiraling out of control... Whatever you do, pray. Here's a final reality check. Trusting God will lead you to dynamic outcomes. Let's look at what happened to Peter. We'll look at 6 through 11, then we'll jump a little bit to 13 through 19. Then the angel said to him, "Put on your clothes and sandals," and Peter did so. "Wrap your cloak around you and follow me," the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the angel what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, and I love this, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! And what did the disciples say? Oh, praise God, he's answered our prayer. No, they say, you're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when the door opened and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, he didn't find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Wow! Is that a dynamic outcome or what? Now Luke, the author of Acts... He must have loved a good story. Because this is certainly a dramatic, awesome story. A movie could be made out of, out of this whole situation. And I just, I love the picture of Peter knocking on the door, you know, and Rhoda going back in. And Peter's just still, you know, hey guys, I'm here. Luke had to have a sense of humor. It's It's awesome. You're crazy, Rhoda. It must be his angel. You know, that's a statement that reflected they, they probably thought Peter had been executed and she was seeing a ghost. One takeaway from all of this is that you don't have to pray perfectly to see God work. Yeah, you know, there, there are times that I know I, 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 fall, I can fall into this. I think we all can. That You know, if, if we are faithful in prayer and we pray just long enough and just hard enough, we muster up we, we, this, this faith within us, uh, there's a subtle shift in our focus from trusting God to trusting in what we're doing in prayer, that we're doing it the right way, Or that we have enough faith. Or it becomes faith in faith itself rather than faith in the name and the power of Christ. And so that that subtle change can come. But the, the, the beautiful takeaway that I have is that you don't have to pray perfectly to see God work. The disciples just prayed. They hit their knees and trusted God. Now, one, one caveat to all of this is that you have to submit to the outcomes that God designs. You know, the, the answer to prayer might not come in, in four days or four years, it may take 10 years or 30 years or a lifetime. Uh, the 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 dynamic outcomes may look differently than what you have in in your mind and and ultimately brings more glory to God is used more extensively by God than you could see from your perspective yes we we pray in faith we pray sincerely but ultimately we're trusting in God and and so let's keep our our trust there i mean ultimately you know peter he, uh, he didn't escape. There was a time when he was executed later in life. But for this circumstance, for this time, there was a miraculous escape. And it helped preserve Peter's life so he could launch Christianity, be a big part in, in helping to spread the gospel, and his, his story, his escape, was, was a huge part of building the faith of these persecuted believers that they could trust God. Trusting God will lead you to dynamic outcomes. Whatever you do, pray. I want to give you an update on my brother and sister-in-law. Uh, my brother continues to suffer from some really horrible, severe back issues and, uh, and chronic pain that I can't even begin to imagine, imagine. Just debilitating, tough stuff. And Barb has stuck with him all these years, has been there. It's been rough, but she has, she's tried to help. Last fall, I was planning a trip out to upstate New York, where I'm from. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law live in Pittsburgh, New York. And uh, I was going to help my brother wrap up some family business that uh, needed to be taken care of. Uh, one part of that was a, a lost coin collection from my dad's estate from 12 years ago. And, and um, anyway, we were uh, going to try to take care of that. And just a few days before I left for, to go out there, I got a text out of the blue. I, I didn't communicate much with Barb. I got a text that said I'm in a Bible study called Rediscovering Christ. I mean, I texted her back, and and how'd you get into that? And she said, well, it was an ad in the paper, and she sent me the syllabus, and on that, there was a a, a book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis that was recommended, and I told her, get that book. You get, that, that's a great book. That was one of the first Christian books I read was huge in forming my walk with Christ. I said, get that book. And she did and started reading it. So I go out and I visit and um, we, um, uh, the first morning I was having breakfast and uh, Barb was at the, at the table and um, I just nonchalantly asked, uh, Barb, have you seen where that coin collection is, and all your reorganizing downstairs and everything. And Barb reacted. She got very angry. I haven't seen that. I haven't touched it. I wouldn't steal from you guys. And went into a pretty good rant for about a minute. And I've discovered when I get into those kind of confrontational situations, I try to, I try to back up and ask a little question. Okay, what do I really want out of this situation? What do I really want out of this conversation? And my first answer was, I want to win this fight. <laughs> Got defensive and, and then I paused and I thought, no, I want Barb to see Jesus. And so after, after a minute or so, she paused and then I just empathized a little and said, yeah, this stuff makes me angry too. And then she said, oh, this is why I'm going to that Bible study. I've got to do something about this anger. And then she started asking me questions about this Bible study. And uh, it's in a Catholic church. She comes from a Catholic background. And uh, I answered some of her questions. But then I said, you know, Barb, the big difference that I see between a lot of churches is... And, and biblical christianity is that a lot of churches have a performance based approach to the gospel. In other words you got to be religious enough and good enough to you know then get in but you know christianity is about what christ has done for us on the cross and all we have to do is accept it. And we talked about the gospel for for 30 minutes. It was awesome. And she was, she was open and grateful, wasn't quite ready at that, at that point. But it was just it was an awesome conversation. The rest of the trip was, was very good. We, my brother and I got things wrapped up. And um, when I left New York, uh, a couple days later, my brother texted and said, Barb's been cleaning and reorganizing down in the basement the last couple of days. And then the third day, Barb came upstairs with this big box and she set it down in front of my brother and said, look what I found, the coin collection. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lord. But that's, that's nothing compared to what happened next. Just before, uh, uh, well, just after Thanksgiving, uh, I had told Barb that uh, my daughter, Kari, sings on the worship team at Cheyenne Hills Church and that they stream live their services. And, uh, and she said, next time she sings, tell me about it. I want to see her. And so she tuned in at the beginning, beginning of December, and, uh, and she said, Kari was awesome, but that pastor, Galen, he's amazing. I've never heard anybody teach that way. And, and she said, I, I've been going onto their website all week, and just, I've just been listening to archive messages all week. I can't get enough. And Barb has tuned in every Saturday night since She considers herself a member of Cheyenne Hills Church now. (laughs) And then just before Christmas, we were talking and I said, you know, Barb, there comes a point where you really need to put a stake in the ground, where you need to consciously make this commitment to Jesus. And she said, I did that just a week ago. She said, Brad... I was I was praying and I uh, I felt like I told God I, I'm going from a point of being a non-believer now I'm a believer I, I you know I give you my anger I give you these issues I you know God I you know I, I, she she gave Jesus she invited Him into her heart she said you know what and she didn't she hasn't heard this language she said I really feel like I've been born again yes praise Jesus. I'm so proud of you, Barb. She's listening in Pittsburgh, New York, right now. I'm so excited for the new life that you have found in Christ. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a, an email from the, at the beginning of January, and I passed this along to Galen down at uh, Cheyenne Hills. And Barb says, January's off to a good start. The holidays were beautiful, especially with the new falling snow and my new gift of faith. I now realize more than ever how much I desire and need Christ in my life. He brings peace and trust and a warm feeling every day. I just recently said with all sincerity, Jesus, I love you. Thank you again for your support and example. Along with that, I have to ask why I'm feeling so connected with the doctrines and people of Cheyenne Hills Church. My time online with them is a literal oasis in a stressful and anxious world. I'm keeping my eyes and ears and heart wide open for answers. Sometimes understanding comes in a song, sometimes in a sermon, a Bible passage, a book, or even just an everyday event. I even recognize God's humor, and we have a good laugh. I talked a little with Bruce about all this, just want him to know what's going on with me all is good. Good people. Remember that following Christ may lead you into dire circumstances, that tough challenges can lead you to desperate prayer, and that trusting God will lead you to dynamic outcomes. Whatever you do, pray pray. And so, as the worship team comes forward to lead us in our closing song, there's no time like the present, folks, and I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. If there is some need, if there is some person you want to pray for, if, if, you, want to, if you want to put your faith in Christ, if you've never made that 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 conscious decision of embracing a grace gospel, come forward. I, Diane and I'll be right over here. We'd be glad to pray with you. I've asked a few folks and, uh, you know, uh, Bonnie, maybe you could come up front. I told a couple people to stay back there, but uh, you know, Rick and Dwayne, maybe a couple of elders, come on up. Just wait up here, and you know, Dick and Ruth, they'd be glad to to pray with you over here. But whatever you do, pray. Trust God for these things.